survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I am your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. We're kicking off our podcast series featuring 19 stories and perspectives on how COVID-19 has created an imperative for change and what leaders and organizations are doing to respond to that change. For today, I have invited another Consinity partner, Lisa Inslee, to join me. Lisa is our expert in helping clients create a more compelling, quote-unquote, human experience. I'll let her say a little bit more about what that means for those who might not be familiar with this concept, but she's here today to help me facilitate the discussion with our guest, Jason Fields, the Chief Strategy Officer at Voiceify. Voiceify brings a conversational experience to companies that allow them to engage with their customers in a deeper and more personalized way. I like to think about it as bringing a brand presence to the voice platform. So I'm going to hand it over to Lisa to introduce herself. But before I do that, just a little brief background on our guest, Jason, and he can elaborate more in a moment. Prior to being the chief strategy officer at Voiceify, Jason was the senior vice president of strategy and solutions for RightPoint. He also established and grew the Los Angeles office for the agency Oasis. Additionally, Jason was a customer experience advisory board member for Microsoft and spent nearly a decade as faculty with Emerson College, teaching a master's program for integrating marketing and communications. I would say this guy is certainly qualified. So with that, I'll let Lisa tell you a little bit more about herself and why she thinks companies should create a more compelling human experience. Thanks, Jen. Uh, I've spent my entire career in the digital product management and digital transformation space and A central theme across my career in those areas has been uh, increasingly a focus on customer centricity. But when you think about customer centricity, you realize that it applies to ultimately people, right? So a customer is a person, a consumer is a person, a patient, healthcare professional, an employee, uh, we're all people. And we can level up how we think about serving our customers, whoever they may be, in a more human way. We have higher expectations than ever with some of the great user experiences we get through prominent brands. And I'm excited to be here today with Jason because he's really at the advent of a space that in some ways is very nascent, in some ways is breaking through. And I think with conversational experiences, brands, products, services, have a great chance to create a more compelling human experience for the people that they're engaging with and serving. Awesome. Thanks for that. So Jason, I did give a little intro about you, but I always like to give our guests an opportunity to correct me or enhance that description or say more. You did a great job. Thank you. I haven't heard someone talk about me that way so nicely before. (laughs) So um, I'm going to bring you to all the family reunions. The thing that you didn't capture, because I don't think I've got it on my LinkedIn profile, is that my first significant job as a young adult was as a bartender through my college and uh, and master's degrees. 
And sort of jokingly and for some levity, but also in a matter of seriousness, is that when you talk about human experience, which I think before was customer experience, and before that it was customer service, and before that it was 800 call centers. When you're in a service industry like bartending or restaurants, hospitality, you come to learn very quickly that your own survival is dependent on the sorts of human experiences you can provide to other people. And so that approach to sustaining my own livelihood when I was in college and postgrad, I think gave me a really interesting perspective that I've been championing ever since in every role I've had professionally since. I want to take a step back and talk about what Voiceify actually is. Voiceify allows brands and businesses to create engaging conversation-based apps or voice apps on devices and programs like Amazon's Alexa and Google Assistant. Voiceify helps brands customize their voice app to offer a more engaging customer experience in paying bills, scheduling appointments, or much, much more. In its simplest form, we're the equivalent of a, a voice assistant or conversational content management system. So for the listener out there who may have some exposure to web content management systems like a WordPress or a Sitecore or an Adobe, we are essentially doing the same thing. We brought it to Alexa, Google Assistant, Bixby. And because there's a lot of other what we call endpoints out there that are conversational, think text messaging, think a Slack bot, think a Microsoft Teams bot, think a Twitter bot, think a Facebook Messenger. All of those are conversational in nature, and they follow largely the same structure and planning and strategy needs that a voice bot would be. Our platform can also be used to deploy out to them as well. So most, if not all, of our customers are starting with a specific use case that is going to sit in the middle of that Venn diagram of useful to the customer and useful to the business, and they're running with it as an entry point. A great example of that, to solidify this up for a moment, is a customer of ours, uh, Wolverine Worldwide, which owns about 12 different sneaker brands, um, they're a global organization, and they realized through their metrics that a boatload of their call center traffic was for people wanting to know where their order was. And that demand was ever increasing during COVID, where I just mentioned uh, e-commerce rose by 10% in 10 months, right? So they're getting crushed. And so they brought to market the ability for somebody to say, Alexa, ask heads where my order is and to be able to have a conversation about tracking their their order and their shipment rather than either A, having to log in somewhere, read it on a screen, or call uh, someone and get an answer. It's conversational, it's casual, it's passive, it's in their home, it's convenient, and it's being done with Alexa and Google Assistant. That's such a great example of how a business was able to kind of capitalize and propel forward in what has been a notoriously difficult time. Another example of the endless possibilities of Voiceify is that, well, if you ask Alexa about your favorite podcast, oh, let's just say Survive and Thrive, my voice could actually introduce you to the podcast. Not only that, but Alexa would then play the episode, and I could suggest other episodes that you might enjoy afterwards. Go on, give it a try. Now, I asked Jason what his life was like just over a year ago. As the pandemic was sweeping through the world, what did his average workday look like and what did it become? It was jarring as it, for me as it was for a lot of people. I have been a road warrior for the better part of a decade. My wife and I both were. Matter of fact, we were hopscotching between uh, London, LA and Seattle, three different places to live based on work situations. And then, of course, the, the normal business trip. We knew some flight attendants on United Airlines by name. 
And when we came back into LA in early March and this all hit, we actually were homeless in a sense that we didn't have a sort of permanent place to be. <laughs> and we, we continued to hopscotch around from hotels to my, actually my parents' house for a little while before we were able to settle back in our permanent place in, in Los Angeles. So what my day looked like before pandemic was being in an airport, being on Zoom calls, <laughs> being on Teams meetings, being in strange boardrooms, facilitating workshops, uh, just really being in a different place almost every day. And so the drastic change for me wasn't going from a work, a single workplace environment where I had my desk and my tchotchkes and my routine down, but it was actually finding routine and normalizing something. My wife and I adopted a dog, rescued a dog in June because we realized that we actually could, that we'd been wanting to do it for the better part of our marriage for almost 20 years at this point. And we, we took that opportunity. It was about finding, it's, and I don't, I don't mean it to be sort of too personal or, or esoteric in any way, but it was about establishing a new normal and figuring out what brought satisfaction and happiness. I realize about myself now that the lifestyle I had previously kept me so busy and so caught up in planning and strategy, which is, of course, my profession, but even of my own personal life. How am I getting to this place? What am I doing once I get there? Is everybody prepared that I, I wasn't able to sort of stand back and find hobbies or make time for myself? And so when that time was thrust on me, it was an interesting growth opportunity, personally and professionally. Wow. While not all of us may relate to the constant travel and Jason and his wife did before the pandemic, I think many of us understand that forced time of reflection has been kind of interesting. It was so easy to get caught up in the buzz and the hum of every day until the buzz and the hum were stripped away. Suddenly, we all had to sit with ourselves, family members, etc., and discover. For Jason, that discovery was finding routine, a new routine. For others, it may have been changing up the routine. Either way, I think Jason's point of finding a time for growth couldn't be more profound. So many ways we could take this discussion just based on the discovery of creating some space for compelling engagements that you might not have explored before. And now you're a dog owner. So congratulations, you've joined the rescue club. <laughs> indeed, indeed. She's very happy as well, from what I can tell, the number of hours she's sleeping every day. <laughs> nice. I've actually heard her snore before. So uh, I, I know that she does sleep. Well, just <laughs> give her a chance. The, she could appear on this call. podcast. <laughs> she might. She might. Yeah, she might. Many of us just didn't grow as individuals this past year. By October of 2020, just seven months into the pandemic, over 900,000 pets have been rescued, a record number. While Jason adores his snoring pandemic pup, things at Voiceify underwent a firm and fast adjustment. Before the pandemic hit, Jason and his team had many exciting plans lined up, as I'm sure many of us did. When March came around, all of that changed. It was just a much different experience for everybody else in the company that had all been working in the same office together, right? I think it would be interesting. I don't know how you ever figure this out, but it would be interesting to see some sort of histograph or, or chart where companies started realizing, yeah, we got to shut down and go virtual. Uh, we did it fairly early on. We've always been very conservative that way in protecting our team's health and well-being. And so we we pushed everybody remote probably earlier than most companies did. And maybe that gave us a little bit of extra time to contextualize what the business world was about to, and I'm talking days and weeks, not months, obviously, but gave us a little bit of extra time to figure out what to do. And 
From a business standpoint, we, like a lot of companies out there, needed to figure out right the, what the right tone of doing business was. We erred on the side of allowing uh, our customers and our prospects the time to exhale. And I would argue that that may have taken 10 months for a lot of organizations. Just Scott Galloway just wrote a book in the fall that I'm just getting through now, and he talks about how change can happen over 10 years or it can happen over 10 weeks. And I think what we've, we've experienced both in our personal lives as well as in our professional lives is that there is certain change that may have taken 10 years to do that just got accelerated 10 to 10 months. You know, when you look at something like e-commerce, which compared to in-person sales had been climbing about a percent a year since it, since it grabbed hold a number eight, eight or nine years ago, it's now like between 18 and 28% of all sales are being done through e-commerce, right? That's 10 years from a trend standpoint, that's 10 years of growth in 10 months. You know, when we applied it to our place, right, and we're in this new, nascent, evolving space of voice, we knew that if we sort of sat back and offered some patience and compassion to the world, the market, ourselves, our customers, our prospects, and didn't force a conversation too aggressively, that people were going to come out the other side realizing what the opportunity was. And we've been exactly right. And, you know, we're all working together on some of those opportunities where the rest of the world from a technological standpoint got thrust and forced into online meetings. Now we're all realizing that we can do things, we can do a lot of things digitally. The insurance space was forced to change their policies on telehealth almost overnight because we, they literally could not afford the risk <laughs> of sending people into an office. So this idea that technology in general can be used for good in the world, and we all know it can be used for evil as well, but, but business and brands are realizing, and I can speak sort of selfishly about our own space of voices, that these voice assistants are the newest full-time employees that, don't, that are never going to get sick, never be late, and always sort of do and say what you tell them to do, which is giving brands a lot of hope and optimism to continue to meet the customers where they are and offer a more human experience, ironically, through technology. With the advent of smartphones, Bluetooth, and lockdown, the audio experience has surged. With 80 million Americans now weekly podcast listeners, the growing interest in audio certainly helps Voiceify garner more attention. But should businesses act on this? In a tumultuous year with many financial challenges, Lisa and Jason ask why organizations might consider and what to say to organizations that might be hesitant to adopt this new technology. And I'm curious, Jason, to hear uh, your recommendations for brands and, and teams who are uh, tentative to get into a new space like voice if they've never participated in it before in a time that does feel overwhelming. What are some easy ways they can get started while also supporting their business in a difficult time? for any new technology, but specifically with voice, a really good place to start is a place where you have some maturity already. The reason being is that if you're trying to solve a mission critical problem of your business or your customer service offering with something new that no one has any experience with, it's just too many hurdles at once. You've got to build the organizational muscle memory. You have to figure out the strategy and planning. You've got to learn new tools. You've got to establish new processes. If there is something that your business is doing well, you can hire another 8,000 customer service reps to pick up the phones, right? But it's cost prohibitive. Wolverine was doing customer service very well. They just had an increase that was beyond their, 
their ability to to maintain pace or if they wanted to find a less expensive way to get it done and handle these low level questions. That was their entry point. We're good at customer service. We know what we're doing. We have the scripts. We have a long history with this. Let's apply it into a new way of communicating because they already did this with email and they did it with social. And so they were bringing voice on board. But for another organization, that may not be the case. They may have really low CSAT scores. And so the idea of expecting their customers to have a positive experience with Alexa or Google Assistant or even a custom chatbot when they haven't had the history of having that experience and positive with human beings may be sort of a bridge too far. Perhaps for them, a natural starting point is to simply extend all of the existing marketing campaigns that they've got going on and creating what we're coining as voice landers, right? The ability for someone to land into a conversation with your brand simply by uttering a request to Alexa or Google Assistant. You're already asking them to go into your website. You're asking them to go into a store. You're asking them to follow you on social. You're asking them to fill out a form. Why not ask them to talk to you? It's not about creating an expectation that we're going to reduce channel activity because voice is here and all of a sudden we don't need web although I think there will be that shift over time. What you're saying is customer experience, customer service, customer engagement is so important to us. It is not just an if this, then that sort of ROI question. We know that satisfying the customer comes in a thousand different touch points over many years, if we're lucky enough to be associated with them that long as a brand, in order to make them them happy, keep them satisfied using our products and also talk positively about us in their own social networks. So the question becomes, why isn't voice part of that? <laughs> if customers are going there asking for asking questions, looking for answers, and if you especially that in concert with your your competitors not being there, why haven't you taken the leap already? That's what we're finding with most of our customers and prospects in the market is that it's not a matter of what to do. To your point, Lisa, sorry, it's not a question of do we do it. It's a question of what we do. Our guidance is think big, start small. There's no reason you shouldn't have and write down an existing strategy, which, you know, your agent, one of our agency partners like Consinity can help you establish. There's no reason you shouldn't document what you're planning on doing in three years and then realize you're going to get data in three months and that's all going to change like anything in business does. Find that point that's comfortable with the team that's going to manage it. So if the social team's going to manage it, work it into the existing editorial for social and make it easy to execute. If the product launch team is going to own it, they're naturally going to want to weave it into that process. You can tack voice on from a strategy planning and content standpoint onto existing processes. You're much more likely to see success with it in the long term, and you're much more likely to leverage muscle memory of those teams in a new channel because they won't feel like they're ramping up from zero. That's great. No, I think those are some fantastic tactical approaches that brands can implement easily. While voice technology has come a long way in just a few short years, it's still a young field. Like any new technology, there will be those who doubt it and avoid it, perhaps due to a shaky first encounter. So how does Jason combat some of this initial mm, hesitation? I very politely try to call out a short-sightedness <laughs> on the part of the person who uh, may be suspicious of the channel. And the reason being is this, if we acknowledge Maybe you don't agree completely, but you acknowledge that we've all, that technology has accelerated 10x or some factor therein over the last 10 months because we've been forced to adopt it. Any technology, not just voice. Then you realize that you just got thrust to 2030 as a business. 
if we're trying to create business value in a 2030 world with 2020 people, we've got a very short window to execute something so that we can be prepared for 2040. So when you think about something like um, healthcare invoice and the ability to do telehealth now to build on our previous example with insurance changing their policies overnight, you then start saying, well, where's technology going to take us next? Well, there, there are firms out there that are now building at home test kits so that during telehealth, the doctor can deploy a self-test kit of what, whatever nature, I don't know, to the person's home. They could administer their own test, think a saliva swab or maybe a light blood sample or something like that, put it back in the mail and get it to a lab. Well, there's people that are doing that for voice. What can we determine through people's voice if we're listening to them? Is there key indicators? Is there medicinal value to listening to our patients, literally listening to them? So when you talk to a healthcare organization or when I talk to a healthcare organization and they're like, oh, we just don't know who's adopting it or we don't know what to do. What I try to remind them of is you're not getting into voice today, extending your marketing campaigns so that you have novelty, so that you have first mover advantage, although you may. You're getting involved in voice today because you're preparing your patients 10 years from now to be comfortable having a conversation through Alexa or Google Assistant or your native voice application that is going to help them be healthier. But if you don't start building that relationship with them today, they're not going to trust you when you tell them that they're sick because they talk to you through Alexa. And that's where you can build that analogy out for any industry. Healthcare is probably one of the easier ones to, to do it with. When you can get somebody to realize that, and I'm a big believer in that, it becomes a much easier conversation. Then it becomes not, what is the ROI going to be in two weeks, two months, or even two years, two quarters? It's going to be, how are we preparing our business for what the inevitable is five or 10 years from now? That's an excellent point. And when I look at some of the research around devices versus voice assistant usage, it's interesting to see how some of the devices, you know, they're, they're far along the maturity curve, right? Their smartphones are clearly in a late majority of the adoption curve. We see smart homes creeping up to 50% of ownership in the U.S. And all of these different devices, you know, tag onto that smart speakers, uh, earbuds with voice capabilities, all of these devices have access to an assistant and oftentimes similar assistants. And so as the device penetration increases and we get more proficient with and have more capability around voice, you can see how use cases and opportunities exponentially explode, which makes it really important to start learning now about how to get involved. I just want to focus for a moment on Lisa's observation that voice assistant and voice apps as a whole have really progressed and expanded. As she mentioned, more than 55% of U.S. adults have at least one smart home device or smart speaker. That translates to over 120 million consumers. Jason speaks on how to determine which avenue companies can pursue with voice. Maybe one of the surprising facts that I still run into um, as an individual in digital is when you talk to brands and you realize that they they haven't taken the time to jot down what all their touch points with the customer are. That's not a, a slam on anybody that should be doing it. It's There's a lot of channels to manage and there's a lot of communications going out. And it's hard to extract yourself from the day-to-day and step back a few feet and say, we need to understand the whole thing. 
But that's exactly what you have to do. I've had the opinion now for a long time, ever since we started Voiceify, that if you didn't make time to document the customer journey or the customer experience map for one or more of your personas, your segments that you're selling to before voice, this is the catalyst to do it. (laughs) Once you do that, it actually becomes a very simplistic process that's going to blend your expertise with of your brand with uh, digital. And if you don't have the expertise in digital, you go to an agency partner. And when you talk about a space, you can go to an expert like Voiceify in, in voice if you want to deal with that channel. But you can do this with any channel, which is to simply put a really, really big copy of the customer journey up on a wall and do some critical thinking about what each one of those channels is responsible for with the customer, if that's not already documented. And then just ask yourself, is it easier to do one or more of these things with my voice than it is with my tap and swipe thumbs? or with my keyboard, or with my mouse. And if you can save your customer 30 seconds a week, they're going to try it. Whether it's reordering something, whether it's uh, acting on the latest, greatest marketing campaign on a product that just came out, whether it's updating their profile information, contacting customer service, getting an answer to a package status, whatever it may be. If you can save them time because they can ask you, Instead of having to physically grab a device and do something with their hands, they're going to give it a go. So how has COVID altered the space of voice technology? The one thing that accelerated was a comfort level. The adoption rate for the consumer adoption rate with, with voice assistance has always been on a very steady climb. I mean, uh, incline were at or just over half of all Americans have a voice, a a smart speaker in their lives. And that nuance of that device is something important to call out. 50% of Americans have a smart speaker in their lives. A smart speaker without a voice assistant connected to it is a paperweight. There's nothing else to do. So voice assistants are built on our phones and our our earbuds and our headphones and our light bulbs and our shower heads and all these things because that's where they're being OEM'd into. But with a speaker, somebody had to make the choice to buy it specifically and only to use a voice assistant. And the usage of those smart speakers, not to mention all of the other billions of devices that that voice assistants are integrated with, has been on a steady rise. Five years ago, people were using them once a month. Three years ago, they were using them once a week. Two years ago, they were using them a few times a week. During the pandemic, they got used at a rate that was, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it has, it accelerated. <laughs> and now people are expecting brands to be there, brands that aren't there yet. Yeah, so true. I think about um, as I learned more about this kind of engagement that is available to organizations today, what you can ask Alexa for the weather. She's probably going to respond to me, by the way, in the background. I feel like it's only a matter of time that organizations are going to be compelled to have some kind of presence because pretty quickly I want to ask about my credit card bills. Um, I want to ask about the next train to New York City. I want to ask about the next flights to Boston. And um, it's going to be an expectation that there's a presence of a particular organization via a voice platform. That's my point of view anyway, just from being um, a consumer of the ease of using voice when it works. I'd be curious to to hear what either you, Jason, or Lisa have to say. I mean, I I agree with you, uh, or I wouldn't be in the space. (laughs) That's an easy one to answer. Yeah, fair enough. 
While voice technology offers an alternative to Googling on your laptop, how will it eventually meet the needs for more information and actually eclipse time spent searching on the internet? Can it? One customer that I'm aware of in the past, I don't know if I can say who it is, you had shared that they went beyond just the pure product information, making that available, but they made, this was a footwear company, they ended up providing more information about what trails uh, someone could go on that are local to their area. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on that example or another one, but I think illustrating how this can serve a need for people and create that level of intimacy that organizations now, I think, need to really be thinking about to reach their customers because not everybody's going to go to brick and mortar in the future. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. That's a great example on a number of different levels, but building off of our, our you know, recent topic of, you know, Lisa wondering how do people get started with that journey and figuring out where to pipe it in? I mean, the shoe company is Merrill uh, that you're referring to. The voice skill and action are out in the world. You can all go experiencing them now. But when we worked with them, we did just that. We looked at their customer journey and, okay, well, there's the normal things. There's the social, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's the web, there's uh, e-commerce if you want to separate that out. There's email campaigns, there's email communication, there's SMS, right? And the question was, well, what are we doing with all of these things? I said, well, a lot of it is transactional, but our promise to our customer is that we want to help them get outside. When we applied that brand promise to all of the channels, we realized that the opportunity was to create almost a premier sort of service offering. You can go online and you can find a number of different places that will give you a listing of trails, but you can't talk to anybody about it. And so what we realized, and the concept was right around when COVID started, and it all fell into place because everyone realized that, yeah, helping people find a trail near them was helpful for Merrill customers and prospects because they like being outside. So let's help them do it. But now everybody can get out. Now everybody needs to get outside. The only place safe for them to be is outside. We can't go bowling anymore, so we might as well go hiking. And so it grew legs sort of pun intended, I guess, but it it grew legs from there. And we realized that the ability to create a skill, even if it was just that one question, and it's much more than that, but even if it was just the one question of Alexa or Google, ask Merrill to find a trail near me, is going to give me a different kind of experience than looking at it on a screen and having to parse through 15 different things. When I talk to Merrill through Alexa or Google, they're going to give me a conversation about a trail. I'm going to hear what's happening on the trail. What are the conditions? Is it a good fit for me and my family? And then I'm going to get directions to it. That feels different when you're trying to experience something than looking at a screen. It, ju- it just does. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of taking the opportunity to use the context of the pandemic and be really human and empathetic about what people are going through and what you can provide to them to keep them healthy and happy. So I I love that. The pandemic has impacted all areas of our lives other than just financial and health. With more people spending time in their homes and on devices, has the pandemic motivated people to turn to voice technology? I think in the beginning, it was some novelty. It was these devices that were sitting out on everybody's kitchen counters and bedroom bureaus and whatnot. And they just, they finally had some extra time to figure out what to do with them. I think that a lot of it was probably uh, bolstered by what parents needed to do for their children to help keep their children busy. A lot of these voice assistants are embedded on screen-based devices. So playing media, playing games, things of that nature was helping parents do things in a new way inside the house. 
I believe that as people got more comfortable with those sort of first party functionalities or expectations that they started venturing into what what else could be done. Like any any newer technology, people that adopt it early tend to become fanboys and fan fangirls of it, right? So there are groups of people out there that are searching for what can be done. They're curious. And then there's other people that are simply picking up on the cues that the brands they engage with are providing them. Because whether we like it or not, we're all our profiles are to some degree the brands we're engaging with. We listen to what they say passively or actively. And so when an opportunity arises in your email box or through an SMS message or something that you see when you log in to pay a bill or your profile and you realize that there's a new channel available, again, to an earlier point, if it feels like it's going to be easier to talk through it than to type through it or read through it, people are going to give it a go. Um, And I think that that's where a lot of that willingness has been coming from. Yet even in this increased willingness to try voice apps, there is a concern as there is with any new technology, about personal privacy. The quick answer is that brands that are going to be dealing with sensitive information probably should be considering a custom voice assistant. And you can say that this, the widest, most widespread example of that would be Bank of America's Erica. There are banks like uh, Capital One, Citibank that have Alexa skills and Google Actions, and they work and they're fine and people use them. Um, and they do their thing. Some of them aren't transactional in nature. A lot of them are informational, right? So they're, you have to worry about security when all you're asking for is the latest stock prices, right? But with Erica and Bank of America, that's an embedded voice app inside of their, their mobile application. That's how you access it. They, I am sure, decided to go that route because they wanted to own the privacy concern. And they did not want to leave that in the hands of uh, Alexa or Google Assistant. You know, there's a side of me that on a personal level, I can talk myself into just the edge of, you know, conspiracy theory some days about privacy and what it means and who's using it and whatnot. And I've always been a big believer if you're not paying for it, you're the product. But on the other hand, some just self-truth, self-awareness and realizing the reality that we're all living, which is if you're concerned about data uh, and your privacy, you probably need to go off grid. I mean, from the light bulbs in your house to the phone that is sending pingbacks to the platforms you're, of the apps that you're using pretty consistently. You know, Apple is one of the most respected privacy policies in digital. You know, they refuse to sell their customers data, but they're still collecting 200 points of data on you a day. Other platforms are extensively higher than that, much higher than that. And so privacy, I know why it's a buzz term. I know why people are concerned about it. There's n- in my opinion, there is no more significant a risk with voice and data and privacy than there is with any other device you're using. <laughs> but it takes time for society to get comfortable with that. I mean, if you had started the World Wide Web by allowing people to transfer money between their checking and savings account, people would be running for the hills. I mean, there just has to be the opportunity for people to ease into their comfort levels. And that's what we're seeing now. And the past 10 months have accelerated that. Although the companies with voice apps must pay attention to privacy matters, the organizations without these apps risk something else. I think more than anything, it's alienation of your customer or your prospective customers because it can be used in, to both audiences. There are brands that do social simply because they felt like they had to and they don't do it well and it's meaningless and they've got followers, but it's not anything people get excited about. So. It's not just about having a presence. It has to mean something. The opportunity is for it to mean something. And 
with broadcast channels, it was easier to be a latecomer to it because there were so many broadcast channels. Web is a broadcast channel, TV, radio, traditional broadcast channels. Social is largely a broadcast channel. Instagram, Facebook, you as a brand are broadcasting. If you're good at it, you're listening a little bit as well. But with voice, it's conversational. This is almost full circle back to what our grandparents were doing in their day with brands, which was talking to them. (laughs) But now we have the opportunity to talk intelligently to a non-human that represents the brand accurately and at any point in the day and virtually anywhere we want because we're always carrying them in our pockets, right? So the risk is not being present and mismanaging expectations with your customer. That reminds me of uh, the moments when companies and brands were really starting to catch on to the importance of search engine optimization and the importance of owning your brand and, and, and paying attention to what is a very uninteresting space, but recognizing that if you didn't play in it, someone else was going to own your subject matter expertise. Someone else was going to speak for your brand. And so in some ways, uh, the risk of not venturing into voice feels uh, a bit similar. You know, you can even draw a parallel line with uh, voice search engine optimization and what role voice will have in that space moving forward. They're calling it voice SEO or discoverability, and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, when it boils down to brass tacks with some decision makers, one of the easiest arguments is, well, start. You're, if you're if you're not ready to do offense, start playing defense. We know that discoverability is going to get better. We know that voice SEO is going to be a thing. All of the content in your voice app is going to be indexed, and the assistants are going to know where to start pushing people down the downstream. Google obviously made a lot of money on it with their uh, their search uh, product. I'm not sure why anyone thinks it's not going to be different with voice. So getting your content into a voice app early and having it indexable, which Voiceify normalizes for you as part of our platform value, makes it an easy yes on that front too. Even if you're not going to integrate it deeply into the customer experience, you can still play defense. In all of this great conversation, the future of voice apps, I want to take a moment to look back and reflect. I asked Jason what surprised him most during this transformational time. Oh, wow. So how personal do you get on these podcasts? Now I feel like I'm on a couch. Um, (laughs) Well, Jen, let me talk to you about my childhood. Um, Well, we only have a few more minutes here, so keep it brief. Yeah, we'll keep it brief. (laughs) I think it would just be um, the recognition of how much time is in a day and where it was being spent versus where I wanted it to be spent. So there was a lot of interesting opportunity for introspection. It's not super deep. It's not super moving. But I think that we're all rushing around so quickly. I'm not thrilled that hundreds of thousands of people have passed away over the past year of this terrible pandemic. But if I can find a, a silver lining to it, it's that I did have the opportunity because of the pandemic to think a little bit more introspectively about what was meaningful. I think that's similar across the board. I don't think a lot of people are having a different experience. I love Jason's lessons learned. The recognition of how much time in a day is spent and where it's being spent. Despite all the hardship COVID has caused, I will forever be grateful for this time that I've had to do some personal reflection and growth. And I hope to carry those lessons with me in the future. And I hope that I can continue to expand my use of voice apps to save more time and spend it with loved ones. 
As the pandemic was a huge adjustment for all of us, Jason shares his advice to people and their businesses on how they can not only survive, but thrive in change. During a crisis, the number one thing is keep the lights on. But I think what we've seen in this pandemic, and it's not different in crises, if you look back historically, is that these sorts of market events tend to consolidate markets. So these sort of world events tend to consolidate markets. So it's not just a matter of staying alive for the market share that you had. You actually have to take the opportunity to change proactively before the crisis comes to a full end, right? I have a number of friends in the restaurant business early on in the Northeast and in California. And I would talk to them to see how they were doing and to see how I could support. And I used to bartend with a lot of these people. They said, what would you, what would you do? Like, what do, what do you think is the right move? And I said, I think the thing you want to do right now is to take the opportunity to stop and open up as much green field for your business as possible from a, from a planning and creative standpoint. If you were starting your business today, knowing how the world could be changing, what would you do? And then create a path from where your business is today to where you think it needs to be. Like you can't get mired in, well, it used to be this way. This way doesn't exist anymore. And if you're not actively setting up systems and processes and, and business value uh, for the market in, in a way that's going to make sense in six months, you're not going to be around in three. True enough. Awesome. So Jason, how can our listeners find you? Uh, the easiest way is going to be to go to our website at voiceify.com. From there, you can reach out via phone, find the phone number and contact form there. My email, jfields at voiceify.com as well for anybody who wants to start a conversation that way. Or of course, you can ask Alexa or Google Assistant to talk to Voiceify because we've got a voice app. Ooh. And oh, by the way, listeners, you can listen to Survive and Thrive by asking your device to connect you to the Survive and Thrive podcast. So think about that for next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining our episode of Survive and Thrive. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.